On today's Pinche Gringo podcast, we talk both American and Mexican politics with TV Azteca's ADN 40 host, Agustin Barrios Gomez, all on today's show. Pinche Gringo, Mexico is laughing thanks to you. Hey everybody, well, welcome listeners. back to, welcome to the, show. the Pinche Gringo podcast. Yes. How you doing, Julian? Doing great. It's Friday. It's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the lie continues, right? It's not Friday, Julian. It's Wednesday, but Back to the Future, the yeah. musical is out <laughs> next week in Manchester. So Do what what's gonna happen tomorrow in, in the world? I mean, if you can foresee the future, right? I mean Saturday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing crazy. I'm yeah. predicting that. Nothing crazy. We can all relax, enjoy our weekend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How was your last weekend? Was it you know, uh, I got some rest. I got some rest last weekend. That's good. And uh, we had an event. Beautiful, di- beautiful, event. beautiful weekend in the city. Yeah, what'd you get up to? Um, so last Saturday, I was invited to check out the Formula E. Um, not A or B or C, but Formula E. You're not one or two. Okay. But uh, and the funny thing is that uh, <laughs> I hate racing. Like I don't understand it. You just sit at a seat and then you just hear going like, "Oh, it's vroom, more than that." Boom. Boom, everybody's like, whoa. And everybody's wishing that the car is going to crash, right? Like, I don't want a car. I feel bad, right? It's like, oh, the car crashed. Like, it's like the exhilaration. I like when the car stalls. The car stalls. Yeah, it just stalls. (laughs) No one gets hurt, but it's still like, Like, "Ah, there's a cat inside the engine. Like, what is going (laughs) on? You know, your engine's purring pretty hard. Yeah, exactly. No, but, but the cool thing about Formula E that I didn't know about is that I really felt like I was in the future. Because these are electric cars. This is the fourth year that Formula E has been in Mexico. And instead of the vroom and the mm-hmm. loud sound of the gas engines, like it's just kind of like a, like a Jetsons, you know, like if anybody watches the Supersonicos, right? Like, I don't know how to describe it, but it was just like super cool, super intense. We got to go in the pits, which were really cool. And meet the different people uh, that worked in the pits. There were like five guys like working on the engine and, prepping the car and uh you know making sure it's plugged in is it just be like funny? a ai like it's just like there's one guy just with a computer and the ai is doing everything for the car kind of yeah, yeah it was <laughs> it was really neat and then uh had some tequila and uh it was it was a really cool atmosphere too it was like yuppie mexico mm-hmm. all over the place like people with like you know the girls with their fancy <laughs> hats and their sundresses and like uh. you know the guys with their mercedes hats it wasn't really douchebaggy it was more like cool yuppie because like electric you yeah. know, it's futuristic. So <laughs> like entrepreneurs. And, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was good. I mean, saw the race. It was interesting seeing the cars. Like we were at the turn. So the cars slowed down. So you got to see a little bit more of the action. And they were kind of just like tailing each other. And uh, just like a pinch of gringo does uh, a half an hour before the race was over, um, looked around, saw a lot of people and we're like, damn, we got to get out of here yeah, before traffic. the traffic happens. Right. <laughs> And I, and I, my friend, my friend's American too, that we went with me and, and I looked at him, I was like, this is just a typical American thing to do. It's just like leave half an hour before to optimize our time to get home. Question. And the Mexicans in the crowd are just going to sit there, you know, like, and just enjoy it. And when they get home, they get home. It doesn't matter what time anybody gets home, but you enjoy the moment while we're calculating like, oh man, traffic's going to be like 42 minutes more and whatever. So we left early. Okay. Did you, did you... 
know who was in the lead? Like, were you think was there an American in the top three? And would that no have American. Made a difference? Electric cars? Are you kidding? That's there true. were no Americans, right? There was someone in an electric yes. car just pouring out oil. Yeah, on exactly. The, like on putting oil on the track. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> no, it was more like Swiss and okay. French and you know the Europeans. Uh, yeah. A couple of Brazilians okay. uh, were in there. And uh, no Mexicans, which I was really sad about because yeah. I thought like the hometown crowd could root for the hometown guy, but there was none. no North Americans, no Canadians either, man. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that hurts. Uh, but listen, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we have two major topics that are going on, uh, one in the U.S. and one in Mexico, of course. Let's start with the American topic um, and the U.S. election. And usually on the show, we talk about politics and then we bring our guest on. Mm -hmm. But our guest is so entrenched in U.S. politics and so knowledgeable that I think it's great to uh, to introduce him now. So we're welcoming Agustin Barrios Gomez to the show. And Agustin is the uh, anchor uh, for the ADN 40 news on Saturday morning, which is there's an English language broadcast. So if nobody knows that and you're listening to our show in Mexico, in Mexico, okay. um, please tune in at eight o'clock in the morning with. Agustin and the lovely Ana Maria Salazar. Uh, they do an amazing job in, in, in Mexican news, American news relating to Mexico. Um, and then repeated at nine o'clock, the same show or very similar in Spanish. So I uh, wanted to bring Agustin on. Welcome, Agustin, to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Yeah. So it's like the other way around now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Agustin invites me on the show sometimes. It's Come nice on. not to have to uh not not to have to worry about the time because you've got that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't have anybody screaming at me inside the right. you know, the earpiece that like <laughs> something's going wrong or whatever. We don't have a makeup team either. Yeah, and we also don't have six hundred thousand daily uh weekly viewers either, Almost. Like, or, or listeners. Right. But by the way, shout out to Ed Lugo. Yes. Yeah, Edward Lugo Thanks, Ed. is listening, so <laughs> Hey Ed. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, I mean, you guys should do that on the show, like, you know, single out individual uh, listeners. Uh, but, you know, so so let's let's talk politics first, because uh, right now in the United States, as our listeners who have been following us for the last couple of weeks know that we are right in the middle. So, you know, they, they tried to remove Trump. I mean, he, he tried to remove himself, of course, and uh, didn't work. So he's still there. And now it's super Trump, who's like just... Yeah, like, you know, like, from I am the supreme leader of all. And like now he this week, he said that um, he was the number one law enforcement uh, officer of the land and which there is an attorney general for that. Um, so we have super Trump going on. And now we have all of these Democrats really trying uh, to win the nomination uh, to defeat Trump. And as you know, this election is. Uh, not just about like going a little left or going a little right. I think our entire world is at stake. Yeah, the the future is of the of, the, of humanity. <laughs> Too bad the election is sponsored by Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! More like P.T. Barnum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so for the last couple of weeks, there have been some primaries and caucuses. We had the Iowa caucus, which uh, Mayor Pete and thanks for correcting me uh, last week on this. Buddha judge, mm -hmm. not Buddha kick. I think it would be better if it was Buddha kick because he can sing some songs with that. But Buddha judge, mm -hmm. Buddha judge. Um, and Pete Buttigieg uh, won the Iowa caucuses uh, just by a little bit. He uh, beat Bernie Sanders, and then Bernie Sanders, the liberal leftist of the group, the guy who wants to bring Medicare for all and bring, you know, and 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 stop big businesses and and all of the the liberal things that that. Um, 
he's 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 really shooting for. He won New Hampshire uh, by just a little bit, right? He he beat Pete Buda Kick, Buda Judge, uh, by a little bit, and then we have um, uh, you know Susie Homebaker. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, Minnesota, Midwestern values, yeah, and, you know, makes casseroles on our campaign trail. Uh, she came in third place, and then we had Elizabeth Warren in fourth and Joe Biden in a distant fifth. And yeah, it looks so. like, as uh, as Augustine, you said on your on your show a couple of weeks ago, is that he's in the emergency room and uh, things. Like that. So this is the this is the field now. And then on Saturday, uh, which for you all will be tomorrow, uh, for us it's Wednesday right now, but. On Saturday is the Nevada caucuses, and in the Nevada caucuses, it is changing the field because in Iowa and in uh, New Hampshire, uh, it's a bunch of white people. Pretty white. You know, you know a couple of brown and black people mm-hmm. like scattered around, but pretty white and uh, pretty grassroots, pretty rural, does not represent the United States. And so you have the media screaming that, you know, Bernie's taking it away and Pete Buttigieg judges doing well, but it's just the start. And so we have Nevada, a huge Latino, um, uh, you know, representation there uh, due to um, a concentration in Las Vegas. Um, and and there's going to be some interesting things going on, but we do have our wild card that is now inserted, not in Nevada because uh, he did not make it to Nevada, but we have a billionaire from New York Named Michael Bloomberg. About time we get a billionaire from New York in office. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, our, our friend, our current friend, is actually from Queens. Which... Okay. Yes. <laughs> At least Mike. Mike's not from New York. He's from Boston. Uh, what I understand, uh, and he's a New York uh, transplant, and he's a big <laughs> Red Sox fan, which was really bad during the election. So just to prep this conversation, uh, Mike Bloomberg uh, entered the race a couple months ago, and I think he spent, and I don't, I don't want to quote this because I don't have the right number, but more than 250. Yeah, he's up to 300 now. 300 million dollars in ads and in things that, are, that he's putting on the air, and he's not doing too much campaigning. He didn't do Iowa for a year like the other candidates. He just came in, and now he's on the air constantly. And what's happening as you know the power of the media, people are starting to change their minds and thinking because of these ads that Mike Bloomberg is the only guy that can defeat Donald Trump. And so he's coming into the race. He's a moderate. He was a Republican. He ran for mayor in the Republican primary and won mayor of New York City, one of the most liberal places in the country, as a Republican and did, I think, a couple of terms as a Republican until he became an independent and then became a Democrat when he ran for president. Uh, well, he was thinking about running for president uh, four years ago, but now he's running for the Democratic nomination. He is a guy that has a record um, that is mixed, you know, did well for the city, but also had some policies that were racist against black and uh, brown New Yorkers, uh, where they, police would just stop them and, and frisk them with no cause. Um, that was a policy he initiated because he said that, well, if most black people are in jail and are, getting, are, are shooting and, and, and killing at the ages of 18 and 24, what we're going to do is we're going to stop all black guys between 18 and 24 and frisk them. So this guy is running for president right now. Augustine, can Mike Bloomberg win the nomination for president? Could it be billionaire New Yorker Trump against billionaire Michael Bloomberg? And what would that do for our country? 
Um, okay, so so just a few things. First, first, first of all, I, I would highlight the fact that Bloomberg is is blitzing the airwaves and actually social media very strongly, in large part to to gain on um, name recognition. So you have a Bernie Sanders who ran for president last time, uh, was fairly successful, and he didn't defeat Hillary Clinton, but he he came fairly close, and so he has a much more uh, ample name recognition than Mike Bloomberg does. So Bloomberg's first thing is to get name recognition. The second thing is, of course, he's harping on this whole um, I am the one to beat Donald John Trump thing, and of course that's, you know, that's how people are seeing him. Um, I, I would highlight, first of all, how just how bizarre this, this, this group of people is in, 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 in historical terms. So you remember that John F. Kennedy was uh, questioned, or it was, uh, it, it was, he was seen as an odd fish because he was Catholic. Imagine being, you know, in, imagine that this field is basically two old Jews, yeah. um, one gay guy from Indiana from, who's a millennial, um, and uh, basically, uh, you know, Amy Klobuchar. And I mean, Warren has, ba- has, has been left, has been put aside. For the moment, because uh, Bernie Sanders is sucking all of the uh, socialist air out of the room, and and so that's the current situation, and and it is a very odd situation because both of the but both of the both of the male frontrunners that is, um, except well Michael Michael Bloomberg and 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 Bernie Sanders are seventy eight years old, mm-hmm. so they're more than twice as old as uh, Pete Buttigieg. Yep, and and that should be an issue, right? Because a lot of people, in, including Bill Maher, who I really respect, gets out on the issues, has says. That age should not be an issue in this, but my dad is 78 years old as well, and he goes to bed at seven. Like you know, he he makes sure he catches Jeopardy. You know, like I don't know if a 78 year old has the stamina to be basically uh, running uh, the richest country in the world. Right, which is then of course most most powerful because you can have a lot of money, but he but in this case you not only have a lot of money, but you are the only superpower left. You are in many ways responsible for stability in the world. So yeah, no, I I would actually second that. Now having said that, I'm I, it's been very impressive to see uh, Bernie Sanders and 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 Mike Bloomberg, you know, get out there and and on the stump and all these different things. I I I do believe as you do that uh, that age is an issue, but at the same time, I've been very very impressed in with how they've dealt with that. Now. That, that's just to highlight the, the very odd right, aspects but, but, of it. But here's the thing. Is Mike Bloomberg talking about the issues now? Does anybody know where he stands on presidential politics and what he's going to do for this country? Or is just Mike Bloomberg running, which I think is, is what is happening in the ads, is that he's the one to defeat Trump and Joe Biden is doing the same well, thing? I, think that, I mean, there's a progressive platform, in, in at least from the social perspective. Um, I think that, you know, he's he's... He's obviously all about wealth creation. He's all about uh, fixing things as an independent. I think if I were to characterize him more than a Republican or a Democrat, I think his stint as independent mayor of New York is 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 the area to highlight. Certainly, a law and order candidate in oh, yeah. many ways. Um, somebody who's built a multi-billion-dollar empire. I mean, this guy is not just a run-of-the-mill billionaire. This guy is a sixty-billion-dollar billionaire. Right, and, and not someone like Donald Trump, where his dad right. gave him all the right. money. Mike uh, Bloomberg is a self-starter. He came from 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 scratch, from rags to riches, yeah. right? Yeah. And he made that money himself, and he runs good businesses. Because yeah, it's when an I lived in, story. when I lived in New York, one of the most impressive things about Mike Bloomberg is that he brought great people. He brought business people. He brought CEOs. I mean, things that Trump promised the country he did, and then he just brought like bumbling idiots. But, but Mike Bloomberg brought great people to work for him and ran the city very well. I was asked to join the Fernando Ferrer campaign in 2006, 
um, as a campaign advisor and uh, for the Democratic nom and I'm a you know fire-run Democrat and always been, but I declined to work for him. You weren't because on the I couldn't. You weren't on the Wiener campaign. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was one Where's of them, this right? Going, guys? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Every time we go on the show, we talk about Schlong somehow, right? Like, talk. you know, Schlong's come up. But, um, but, but the the Bloomberg, I couldn't, I couldn't work for Ferrer because Bloomberg was doing such a good job, in my opinion, for me as a white man in the Upper West Side in the city. Now, in black communities and Latino communities, you know, there's a lot of sayings that he didn't do anything for education, that he left people behind, that. You know, he's just for the haves and not the have-nots. I mean, this is an argument that a lot of liberal Democrats are making right now. A lot of Bernie bros are going well, after, I, right? You know, I, I would mitigate that because, of course, um, you know, for, for every person that was frisked um, and, and it was seen as, as a discriminatory policy, there are people in, in many of those neighborhoods uh, who are just as black, who were actually well served by um, the presence of uh, the police presence on the street, making sure that things were not happening. And that is actually very true. I mean, you see the decline in crime uh, across the board and, 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 and there's that. And there's a second thing, and I think that this is number one in, in, in the greater New York area and particularly in Manhattan. It's housing. And Bloomberg did have some replies with respect to housing. He did increase taxes um, such that public services could uh, improve when that was, and that yep. was a big deal. Police so, loved them. Yeah, the police, the, they, the police are very interesting in New York because, you know, they, right now they're, they're in this battle with the current mayor. Yeah. Um, hey, what are you talking about? All these uh, guys over here, you know, doing these things. I, uh, all these I mayors. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you make an Italian it, sandwich or no? If you can, <laughs> I don't like you. Well, Where's my and, coffee? And it's retail <laughs> politics, right? Because yeah. these guys, at the end of the day, they they you know they're they they are very much in the community. They're very well organized, and they do have a voice. And so, getting well, getting along well with your with with your power base, with your with your constituents, with your different interest groups, as long as you don't pander to them, is is probably not a bad thing. Right. Um, the question is. You know, is this collective karma that has brought us uh, the extremes in, you know, everywhere, um, including here in Mexico and, and all of these different other places and Brazil and whatnot and what's going on and, and with Brexit and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that collective karma going to propel um, a socialist, a self-described socialist like Bernie Sanders to, um, to the nom nomination? Sure. Now, yeah. here, here's my question for you about this one. What is the difference between Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn, for, for our, our listeners, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, it was the, the labor leader in um, the United Kingdom who got trounced by conservatives that Boris Johnson, they say, is very similar to Donald Trump in some ways. Um, is, there, is there a difference between these two candidates? And are, are people just getting scared that if um, Bernie Sanders wins the nomination that he can take the Democratic Party down like uh, Corbyn took down Labour because Labour doesn't exist too much right in UK politics anymore uh, well the first thing that I, I mean just using a technical term uh, Jeremy Corbyn is an imbecile um, <laughs> he is I mean he's out and out somebody who has never revisited his his, his positions on national state nationalization of the means of production I mean he's an out and out red and I think that that's a very big difference with Bernie Sanders. You can have issues with Bernie Sanders, given the fact that for all practical purposes, he was, uh, um, you know, he studied in the Soviet Union. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he certainly was very, very, um, how can I say it? Like his, his judgment with respect to the horrors of the Soviet Union. And I, and I actually visited the Soviet Union. I can tell you that it really was as awful as, as it seems. And if anybody has any doubt, you can watch Chernobyl. 
um, on HBO. And he was an apologist for the Soviet Union, and I think that you can criticize him on that. I think that he has that he has he's established this um, uh, basically like a an adversarial relationship with business, and I don't think you can do that in the United States. As, right. um, as as the old adage goes, the business of the United States is business, and that has been you know its its strength. And what you need to do is actually capture as much of that strength for the benefit of as many people and all that. Does Bernie but, Sanders understand that? I don't think he understands that, but I don't see him being a complete, you know, an unreformed commie like right. Jeremy Corbyn. Now, having said that, you know, he he is running in a country that is that is certainly you know much more uh, open to the idea of of, of 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 free enterprise, of capitalism, and all of that. So, I think your point with respect to uh, with respect to uh, Bernie Sanders bringing down the Democrats, if he did get the nomination, I think it, it's a very real concern. Now, one of the weird things that's been going on lately is that we saw that the NBC News poll uh, that came out a couple of days ago, where it showed that every single one of the of of the potential nominees on the Democratic side would actually beat. Donald John Trump, not by much. You're talking about a difference right. average, basically fifty-three to forty-nine, um, which I, f- I found very weird. So they mm-hmm. would they in this in this uh, in this poll they had Bernie Sanders against Donald Trump, you know, uh, Biden against Donald Trump, and all of these like all of them um, against uh, Amy Klobuchar, and every single one of them was a little bit above uh, Donald Trump, which was especially weird. And th- this is the dissonance, and I don't have an answer to that. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. The dissonance is that you have that on one hand, but at the same time, you have the highest approval ratings of the current president. So he's yeah, now at Hurricane 49. Hurricane Trump right? has gone to the Gulf Stream and hit warm waters and now is strengthening every single day. The economy is roaring. Yep. He's being strong on national security. Or and, he's being seen as strong. Yeah, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what people are, are, are thinking right now. And uh, those two elements, you know, that he's allaying people's fears and he's making people feel safe about their, their pocketbook, yeah. those are two recipes that people will overlook anything else. Yeah, especially, I guess, middle-aged, older voters. Um, what interests me about Bernie is how he really got youth involved into the 2016 campaign and maybe in some way, He's enjoying some of the fruits of those seeds that were planted. He doesn't. Years they ago. don't vote. That's well, the one, problem. In, in they don't vote. Right? And one of the great ironies, of course, now, and I think you pointed it out during our program on on Saturday um, on TV, you have the all of the kids, all of the younger people, um, going with uh, Bernie Sanders, who's seventy eight years old, <laughs> and you have all of the older people, actually older white people, particularly. Um, Gunning for for for, for Buttigieg. No, or for Biden, Buttigieg. Yeah, it really is it yeah, older people. No, it's the the where where Buttigieg gets his his base. It's basically centrist, older Democrats. Right, and they're with him. And so the youngest people in 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 the cohort go with the oldest guy, and the oldest people <laughs> in the cohort go with the gay um, younger guy. It's who's, amazing. Who's less than half the age of. Uh, Bernie Sanders, yeah, by the way. Right, but but I want to I want to put something out here, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up in a bit and, and move on to Mexican politics, because which is beautiful about this podcast, right? Is that we're kind of toying the line between the U.S. and Mexico and the relevancy to Mexico. But and I made this point on the show last week, uh, Augustine, that you know Bernie Sanders was polling at fifty percent in New Hampshire a couple of weeks before New Hampshire, and then he pulled out with twenty six percent, twenty seven percent of the vote, which. If you are a Vermont senator, 
beloved for years. I loved Bernie Sanders in the in, in the early 2000s. I thought he, uh, nobody knew him. We love him in Canada too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one knew who he was. <laughs> and he's just like this old man just shouting out as an independent and uh, as a representative, then a senator uh, from, from Vermont. Um, and, no, and, and Pete, Buttig- Pete Buttigieg, when he was a kid, actually wrote a thesis where he he was basically admiring the courage of this of this older politician who was of course Bernie right Sanders. and you know we can get we can get in deep <laughs> into this trip. conversation yeah, about Bernie trip. Sanders but like one of the things is that name one major piece of legislation that Bernie Sanders authored and got no, approved zero zero, zero. No, so he, he's all he talk, yells he at everybody a whole bunch of stuff that actually was that did go through but nothing that he actually authored went, ever went through during his exactly career. so so he's a he's a talk guy right so, so he's not exactly going to reach across the aisle so 27 percent right? and if you add up all the moderate the votes for the moderates you know it definitely surpasses what him and Elizabeth Warren were able to garner so it seems like that there's a lot more energy for the moderates in total. Yeah. So in my viewpoint, Bernie Sanders, and I, I, I'm going to say this broadly out here, but no, there are two things. Number one, there's too many moderate uh, Democratic voters that won't let him win. And number two, the Democratic establishment will not allow a Bernie Sanders nomination like they did in 2016. Yeah, but that, what does that sound? I mean, I'm, I'm practically listening to a Republican in 2016. I mean that that is exactly like like to a T that is exactly what happened with the nomination of the current president. Correct. And so I I actually it's weird. I mean I it sometimes feel like there's this destiny that needs to be fulfilled. Um this I call it collective karma which just sort of I don't know if we we if we if 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 we if we uh gravitated into Aquarius or Pisces, I don't know what's going on, but there seems to be all these patterns that keep showing up, where the, debil- the, the debilitation of the, uh, um, of, of, the, of the centrist candidates with the atomization of that vote, gives us always the worst possible um, uh, the worst possible result, or, or at least sure. the result that is the most um, out there, the, the result well, that is the most uh, radical. You're in a capitalist system, in a capitalist country, and one of the reasons why I think Warren lost her momentum is because big business and big campaign dollars and donations and all of these things are so important in presidential politics, unless you're self-funded, like, you know, like Bloomberg and control the right, message. But, but for go. example, Bernie has actually financed his campaign with, with individual contributions. Yep. And even like in this, yeah, capital, uh, capitalist and basically free market economy, it allows, it privileges people like Michael Bloomberg who has funds, right? So... Uh, I just find it kind of interesting too. Like in, in one side of the well, coin, companies kinda... are people too, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's what the, uh, the Supreme Court runs. So it's going to be interesting. And uh, and anybody who doesn't really know anything about presidential politics and kind of wants to get in tune in our in our ten minute segment, fifteen minute segment, stay tuned. And uh, you, you can call one eight hundred Pinche Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Switching gears to Mexican politics because right on the news. Um, right now, there's uh, some serious issues, and, and I apologize for my ignorance. I don't know a lot about what's going on, but I think everybody in the country kind of knows that on, uh, was it Sunday night, I believe? Was it Sunday or, or this week? Monday. Monday. It was a school day. It was a school day. Yeah, maybe you want to talk about it more, Julian, right? That, that uh, a little girl named Fatima, uh, her mom went to pick her up from school. She was stuck in traffic, didn't get there on time, and then her child was gone because someone else abducted her right and so there's kind of been a basically a nationwide manhunt or woman hunt for for the person who kidnapped the child and unfortunately the child was found murdered 
so and abused. Let's take this to a big macro because there's an issue of feminicide. There's something that happened a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, that mm. you want to. Yeah, that's what I've been uh, kind of following with uh, Ingrid Escamilla. I'm sure some of our listeners have heard this too. Just another tragic example of, of uh, a woman. 25 year old woman who got skinned, correct? She got by, stabbed, skinned, dismembered, basically. By her ex boyfriend. Yeah, by her ex boyfriend for calling him out on drinking or something like yeah. that. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the issues new. are coming out and, and people are talking about it and people are going, but what the, the, the striking uh, statistic is that uh, every day 10 women are murdered in Mexico. And this is after 2017, and they are saying it went from 7 to 10. So. Now, in the news media and others, they're really putting a lot of pressure on the current president, um, uh, Lopez Obrador. And this is what I want to talk about today uh, in the political uh, stance. In it. Is it fair? You know, he, he, that what, what the news media is saying is that he's not acting enough. He's not standing up. He's not uh, saying the right things. And he's dismissing it as, you know, and moving on to other things in his press conference. And it's making him look weak. Mm-hmm. So, Augustine, talk, talk to us a little bit about this and, and the idea of this presidential politics and what's going on here. Because can it be that there are a lot of hungry people out there that are looking for anything and anything, even though what you feel about this president, and we all have our own personal opinions about him, but are really trying to find things to bring down his approval ratings and try to bring down his presidency. Is this an issue right now? Or is this something that's happening with this along with what's happening with women in this country. Okay. Um, So number one, I think it's very clear that the number one issue for the country is not poverty. It's uh, It's not social dynamics. It's not education. The number one thing for this country, the number one problem is violence by a long shot. Right. Um, the number one reason, the, the only reason that government exists is to establish basic order, and it has decided not to do that. And it has been, and it's not just this administration. Previous administrations have also abdicated their basic responsibility to govern, and it is frankly horrifying, and uh, and it should be repudiated by all of us all the time. This is just in general. Now, with respect to the particular monsters that actually like, that took that did what they did in the last couple of weeks this is this is the nature of the beast when you do not govern when you do not have any any minimal interest in controlling your own territory people uh, who do the, these things and it's not just mexicans these, ha- these these this could have taken place anywhere these types of people exist anywhere especially in a large urban setting um, but you have to be ready for when that happens and you have to have the ability to react in that way and i think you know, one of the things that's that's especially horrifying about the the, the response of um, of the current president is is of course that we are talking about Mexico City, and Mexico City has been governed by the left since 1997. There has not been one single governor of this city who has not come from uh, what was originally Andrés Manuel López Obrador's party. Right. So whether you're talking about Cuauhtémoc Cárdenas, Andrés Manuel López Obrador himself, Marcelo Ebrard, este, uh, Miguel Ángel Mancera, or uh, Claudia Sheinbaum right now, all of them have been from the, uh, from the political cohort that is now at the front of the federal government in Mexico. So there right. is absolutely no excuse. But, right? the thing, but the thing here is that, what, 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 and, and I just moved here after his administration, you know, Marcelo Ebrard, which is his protege, right, who took over when I, when I was when I got here, is that he governed pretty well Mexico City, you know. And I think we were talking about this offline last week that he 
built the second floor that, you know, he built up institutions and Mexico City became a lot safer. Um, after Marcelo that, was, was a very effective governor of the city. He certainly has a, a vision for governing the city. You have to remember that Marcelo began his political career in earnest by being the minister, the secretary of government for Manuel Camacho Solis, who was then regente or regent of Mexico City. This was back in 1988. Before the Constitution. Um, he, yeah, well, actually, because it, at, the, at the time it was an actual federal district, and so it uh, did not have its own constitution because, of course, it was a federal district. It was, it was defined as the, the geographic area where the, the seat of power was, and for many, many different reasons. That's, that's why they were called delegaciones. Right. Um, they were called delegaciones because the president would actually delegate the authority. So it was, it was a delegado because he, he or she received the authority uh, by being uh -huh. delegated to. Um, and they were named by the president through the regent. I thought and they were just all skinny. <laughs> yeah, delegados. Right, that's cute. Um, and so, <laughs> no much. Is that, so what, what, ended up, what, what ended up happening there was that he had a lot of experience in government. He certainly has a vision for government, unlike the current administration, right. which doesn't actually... So Mexico has gone from a kleptocracy, right, which is the, 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 the administration of Enrique Peña Nieto was a kleptocracy. That is, it's, and this is an observation. It's not, it's not a value judgment. That is a group, in this case, the Grupo Atlacomulco, Atlacomulco, perdón, este, who uh, organized themselves to buy elections and after, per, after, after, you know, putting a Televisa candidate uh, forward like Enrique Peña Nieto, you win this election and then what you do is you divide up the spoils of government. That is, corruption is not a side, um, uh, a side note uh, in those it's sorts part of, of the strategy. It is actually, right. it is the strategy. It is the, strategy. It's, it's the heart of the strategy. Is this now, what, when, when Amlo talks about neoliberalism and, and other things like that, what, what is he talking about? Well, like, I mean, the whole neoliberalism yeah. thing is bullshit, but, anyway. <laughs> but, but what, what is not bullshit is kleptocracy. And so what is kleptocracy is that you have these systems and what they ended up doing, if you see the kleptocrats, especially in Mexico, what they did was they, they surrounded themselves with technocrats. And the technocrats were able to govern properly on several levels. So they actually implemented, uh, they did things that were effective. And by being technocratic, by being intelligent, by being, by being ex experts on what they were doing, they actually got results on several fronts. Not, certainly not all fronts. And they, and it was, it was a, it was, uh, Mexico was exposed to massive amounts of corruption because right. of course of the kleptocracy. But the kleptocrats understood that you have to have a basic level of expertise within government to actually keep the racket going, so to sure. speak, right? And then what ends up happening is that the pendulum swings and then you, you swing over, you swing over to what is in many ways sort of a, a cult of personality, um, a, a, Right, it's, it's just like, the other guys are now stealing, right? Just the other guys. Well, I, and then I, the guys I, that I don't, don't know, know the other guys, like they're a separate group of guys, I, right? I'm not sure. I, I, I think the jury's still out with respect to the, the level of corruption. Uh, what is being proven is that ineptitude is actually more expensive than corruption for the country. In other, right, words, right. In other words, ineptitude and this fetishization of stupid, this idea that expertise is not worthwhile, that we need to get everybody who actually knows what they're doing out, that we can't Too pay expensive. public, and we, can't, stealing, yeah. we can't pay public servants. Completely in, the, against what Plato it. said, right? That where you know where the the, the the smartest, the philosopher king, like the smartest people should be working in government, and it's not happening now. What I've heard, and the, the Greeks actually do have a term for this, and it's called cacistocracy. <laughs> We're learning a lot of stocracies today, like with a K. klepto. You know, it's interesting vocabulary that I'm learning today. This is great. Yeah. But but here's the here's the thing that, and I've talked to people in government that have like that are that are working in the, in the top echelons of government, and what they're saying is that there is a committee 
I forget, Committee Petite, right? And Petite your the little, little French, little, little Quebecois stuff in here, Julien, right? Julien, on parle français? On le laisse comme ça. But what, what's <laughs> happening is that, that AMLO is just the figurehead, and, but there's a small group of, of individuals in the presidency that are just going and telling the other ministries exactly what to do, not taking any kind of advices or toma de decisiones on anything, and they're just delivering. But who is this committee? It, it, do you agree with me on this? And if it is... Who are the people that are that are making the decisions here uh, for the AMLO government? No, I don't agree. You don't think, agree? No, obviously. You not. think it's him? It's absolutely him. Yeah, it's it, we're all I, we are we are currently bit players in his fever dream. Hmm. I mean, that is the current situation of Mexico. And, and you were a, and you're a former PRD uh, right? diputado yeah, federal. And I, I, I and you I, and you worked on right and you. I mean, he was the head of the party when you were a, a diputado. Not specifically when I was a diputado. He had already left um, when I was a congressman. But I did when when we campaigned in 2003. He was he was governor of Mexico City. He was jefe de gobierno. And what was interesting about then was that he, actually he was making an effort to be a statesman. Um, you know, he he certainly had the concern. I mean, he did a lot of different things, and he he implemented the the uh, the old age pension, the universal old age pension, and and all of these different things. But at the same time, he listened to the to the business community. It started the verticalization of Mexico, which I thought of Mexico City, which I thought was fundamental. I think you need much more um, uh, housing in, in 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 the city, and the only way to do that mm -hmm. is up. Yeah. And that was the beginning of it through the bandolos. Um, I think he did many many things that were that were very. Uh, intelligent in middle of the road. And what ended up happening, a person like Andres Manuel López Obrador needs a sparring partner. He needs somebody to, to sound off against. And one of the things that, I mean, the product, the reason this government is here and the reason it has the power that it has is it be, is because there was a pact, um, basically a, a, um, a pact of, um, that allowed Enrique Peña Nieto and Luis Videgara y Caso, who actually was the architect of the pact, And, and and brought not only Andres Manuel was 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 given the presidency, but of course he was given majorities in both houses of Congress, and that was actually the worst of of both, right. because by giving him a person who really has he doesn't have either the emotional intelligence, the 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 intellectual um, wherewithal to deal with this level of power. That's not his thing. Mm. His thing is 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 to get close to the people, to talk to them in, in a way that that they want that they want to be talked to, and, and then to sort of broker power. Right. But he is not a governor. What he is is, 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 a, is a man, it's a cult of personality, who believes that by his own, by force of his own will, in, 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 a, in, a, in a vacuum, that he will be able to somehow uh, make things better in the country. And, of course, reality will always catch up and bite you in the ass, sure. right? Right. And what do you think is needed for Andres uh, to be able to, or the president, I should say, to be able to affect any positive change in terms of feminicides. I, I know that a lot of these issues go underreported or even when they got, get brought to the police station, it's just ignored and they never really end up putting someone behind bars. But what, what can he do? It is do? 100% a question of political will. And political will comes down to two things. One, actually sitting down and becoming serious about something and, and, and getting the people who actually know something about this around you and making decisions with respect to that. And two, putting the resources behind it. So I was advisor to the Minister of Public Security in Mexico City um, when it was Alejandro Guerrero. And we had a number um, they, that, that I heard at, the, at headquarters, and it made a lot of sense to me. So 
80% of the crimes are committed by 20% of the criminals. So we, we, we had a calculation that about in a, in a city of about 8.5 million, because of course Greater Mexico City is 22, but the inner core is 8.5, right now 8.9, but back then it was 8.5. Uh, 40,000 people every single day were waking up, and that's what they did. They were criminals. That's the only thing they did. It wasn't criminal. It wasn't crimes of opportunity where you just leave your, you know, you, you live your, uh, your, your wallet and somebody picks it up. No, these are people who are actually professional criminals, 40,000. So if you consider that the current, um, the current, uh, prison population of Mexico City is about 36,000, if you were to double that and take these people off the streets, then you could actually deal with the problem. That is the bottom line. The bottom line is that people adjust according to um, according to, to, to cost and benefit analysis. And right now, of course, the benefits are just way too large. And one of the things that has happened in this administration is, is something that happened in the previous administration, because they don't want to govern, because governing is not fun. And governing, governing is certainly not giving away money. That's not governing. That's what you do afterwards. What you actually have to do, you have to, you have to use the resources to what actually people need. And what people need is basic order. And to implement basic order, you need to control, you need to actually control your territory. Right. And so the, given the fact, I mean, it's right around the corner. You could actually do this. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that Marcelo Ebrard was very successful, he was very successful not because, you know, he went behind the scenes and, and, and he sat down with the narcos because everybody loves this conspiracy theory bullshit, right? So according to this, Marcelo Ebrard, he, he, you know, he sat down with the criminals and then he made this pact. That's not true. What, what Marcelo Ebrard did was he actually governed. What did that mean at the police level? What that meant at the police level was actually putting 20,000 closed-circuit television cameras around the city with panic buttons, with C4 and C5 uh, control centers in, in strategic parts of the city. He renewed the entire um, uh, vehicle uh, fleet of, of, of police cars, and the new police cars had... GPS is in them so that they couldn't actually go outside of their zona de patrullaje, outside of their patrols. Why you, is this guy in Acapulco? There's something <laughs> wrong here. <laughs> and, and, and he actually did this. And I know for a fact that crime went down very fast, very rapidly. Definitely a safer city like when I first got here, when, when abroad was, uh, was, was uh, governor. So, so would you say that, uh, that Mar Marcelo Broad would make a great president and make a great... Uh, Look, I mean, I'm, I'm not here to, 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 to endorse any anybody, candidate, but... To endorse any candidate. He's, he's, he, I mean, I'm, but he just seems so people like, know, I, I, he's not a particular friend of mine. But today, um, it seems like he is the, the standard bearer for the party, right? After, well, you know, AMLO. Well, let's just say that out of the entire circle that's in power right now, the only person that actually knows something about go actually governing, and that's not, you know... Uh, that's again. That's not populism. It's not giving away money. It's not. Uh, it's. It's not in los curito doing these 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 political sort of shenanigans behind the scenes. The one guy who actually knows something about governing is him. And so, in that context, do I believe that that he is the best of the bunch? Yes. Now, are there other people there? Then yes, of course. Ricardo Monreal, who's in a fight with Martí Batres right now. You have Claudia Sheinbaum, whose results in Mexico City could actually could actually disqualify her in the, in the medium and long term. Po popular, um, popular mayor, popular governor, or? She's not a popular governor. She's not a popular governor. No, she's not and, at and, all And, and one more thing before we, we need to wrap it up, I'm getting some signals, is, is that, is AMLO like Trump, where he can shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and he'll still have a 70% uh, approval rating? Yes. What is, it, what is it that he needs to do 
to lose support like what, he will never lose support. he will never lose support no he will never lose support you're seeing it right now the the support for his particular party and and people when you ask them you know how how's the economy how's the how's public security and all that everybody says it's in the toilet but when you ask him about when you ask that same person about whether and whether amlo is 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 you know the, his his or her guy then they'll say yes they mm. they still support him and that's and that's because and it's the same phenomenon with with uh, with our friend in in washington so Will that, that translate to the party as well? Because no, right now, because right now the uh, the midterm elections are coming up next year, yeah. so it's really fast that this has happened yeah. already. And you say he has absolute power. They, is, is this going to affect his um, his his absolute hold on power in the country? There are there are several things here. One, um, the reason why these two people have uh, have a stranglehold on on the public imagination is because it, it has become a question of identity. So they are no longer talking about the results of a president. They are talking about my guy, the guy that I see as my as as my hope, the guy that I project everything on in terms of in terms of you know sticking it to the right people, the people that I hate. In the case of Amlo, it's the Fifis. In the case of of uh, of Donald Trump, it's it's brown people, and and that's much more powerful than self interest. Identity will always trump self-interest, always. Right. So that's the number, the, the first thing. The second thing is, does it translate? If he is able to get out with a message saying, if you support me, then you have to support my candidates in Morena, then that will be effective. I'm not, it, it probably won't get all of the people who support him, but it will certainly bring, bring, bring things up. Now, you have to realize that he's also planning a plebiscite, right? This, this whole revocación de mando. Shenanigans, right, 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 right. If he gets approved, then and so if he, it, I'm, I'm going to translate this for our audience. So if he gets, he's having a thing. So a we're, we're going to like vote to see if I he go? can go, and, right. and 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 he's doing it because he doesn't ever believe that they're going to say for him to go, and he still well, has he's doing that because he can actually control that, right? Just like he did the the the, the thing about the the, the, the new airport, right? right? And it was it was Terrible. ridiculous, and it was it was actually quite frankly, it was uh, it was humiliating for for Mexico to live through that, and we unfortunately we will live through that again. Yep. Um, but if he's able to translate that message into, if you support me, I need all the power, so you need to back these guys up. Now, what's been interesting in, in power, in, in power politi or politics, or rather in party politics recently, has been that the, that the current president has not been very uh, interested in Morena. That's been fascinating. So if you see, like he's actually pulled away from like the the, the internal battles, yeah, which are fighting awful. within the Senate, the infighting too, right? in in um, among the Morena people, and he's he's maintained this distance, which is really weird because he seems to be he seems to be sort of letting go of yeah, that not party governing, apparatus, not governing his own party, yeah. exactly, uh, and make, maybe make the Amlo Bros, right? And maybe <laughs> he he might actually be planning to um to to have other parties back him up. Wow. And specifically the pre, which is of course his home, right? Yeah. I mean, really the guy is the very definition of a 1970s priesta. And so, given the fact, that, you know, he might actually be coming home. He might actually be go back to the pre um, and call himself. Well, I mean, a pre, not, no, I not mean, officially, but 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 not de jure, but de facto. Yeah. In other words, he's already got the president of the pre was the guy that he wanted. Yeah. And so it's already happening. Sure. Where you're having primor, right? Which is this 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 uh, um, uh, symbiotic relationship between yep. between one and the other, and so you're actually seeing this. Great, you know, we were we were going to talk to you about your life because you have a really interesting life too, and we're <laughs> we're out of time. We've gone way over today, but this is so interesting, and I, I love talking to you. I know both of us really enjoyed Augustine. You have so much information and knowledge because of your 
uh, varied things you're doing. Just like uh, tw 20 seconds, please talk us, to us about your show on ADN 40. Sure. So um, Ana Maria Salazar, who is my co-host or we're co-hosts of the program, from 8 to 9 in the morning, we're on, uh, we're the only English language national broadcast television show. Uh, so we broadcast coast to coast, 1.2, channel 1.2 nationally, 40.1 here in Mexico City. You can even see us in places like San Diego and Brownsville and El Paso because, of course, we transmit. Oh, my Roma, airways. Texas yeah. peeps in the house. You better <laughs> <Chargers> tune in. <laughs> exactly. And, of course, the second hour or, or of course, live, uh, streaming on live.adn40.mx. Right. Only in Mexico, though, right? No, you can stream it anywhere. Oh, so I guess uh, my yeah. dad was like, can't get it to work. I think he just doesn't know how to use an iPad still, you know? I think <laughs> internet's live, down. Live. Hey, I can't do it. I'm refreshing. Refreshing, son. How do you push this button? Yeah. So check out his show. It's really great. Agustin Barrios Gomez here with us on uh, Adere 40. And uh, it's, it's a great show. And of course, thank you for, for inviting me on once in a while and being able to talk American politics there We'd as well. And, uh, and uh, that's it. So Julian, uh, let, let's go over some of the stuff that's happening at the Gringo this week. Yes, we have an exciting, fun-filled week of a variety of different activities starting tomorrow, Saturday. The inaugural Pinche Roller Dance event will be taking place here in the Pinche Gringo warehouse. Starts at 8, goes until midnight. It's kind of like the, the classic 70s, 80s roller skate, you know, do a circle around a, a rink and have a DJ and have little dance battles, so... We're bringing that down here to Mexico. It's blowing up in Berlin, London, and other places. So we're trying to we're trying to get that going on over here. So it should be really fun. Great roller derby, right? Well, not derby. Not derby. Uh, so there's no like racing. Were, yeah, there's 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 a waiver form. That's uh, <laughs> that's important. Uh, but yeah, it's not really derby. Maybe we'll get that going on in the in the summer or fall. But uh, the rest of the week looks pretty awesome. We got Champions League round of 16 that's going on. So we've been showing those games this week. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this coming week. Very exciting games. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus are all playing. All right. So come on down to the patio or the warehouse or the bar for those games. And we got Dry Queen Bingo next Wednesday, 26th. Who's playing? Guess who's back? Uh, J-Lo? Uh, that's coming up on March 11th. But for <laughs> now, we got Cecile that will be impersonating the Queen of Queens, Madonna. Madonna! Yeah. Wait, wait. Cecile's playing Madonna. Oh, yeah. Just get ready for it. Wow. And uh, yeah, then we got ping pong night on Thursday and Friday night. Thursday here at the warehouse, Friday the 28th at patio. So we got a whole lot for everybody here. That's great. All right. Well, this is a great show. And, uh, and stay tuned for your political news uh, here on the Pinch Gringo podcast. My name is Dan DeFossi. My name is Julian Vawa. Thanks for listening in. Also, I'm at Snappy Jewels on Instagram. And at Pinche Gringo Dan at Instagram. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Don't mention the transvestite in Canada.